play and hit like we think they can and second half of the year and maybe even into September they're flirting with 500. I lost the sound on your mic there for a second because your head was in the clouds but that's okay. to the On the Rocks podcast in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. I am Nick Groke here with Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post uh, talking the 2016 Major League Baseball season finally, finally starts this week. Uh, and the Rockies begin, coincidentally, in, Scott, in, in Arizona. They just stay here like extended spring training. And they just kick right into the season. A supersized edition of the On the Rocks podcast this week. Uh, Christian Bergman will be with us, Colorado Rockies right-hander Christian Bergman, and uh, Nick Picoro of the Arizona Republic. We'll talk to him about the NL West, too. But, Patrick, um, like I said, lots to talk about. Let's start off right away. Uh, For a minute, for a minute, let's look back at spring training real fast. Uh, What was the best best thing, the best player? What was the thing that stood out to you the most from spring training? Well, I think we're both going to say Trevor's story, right? Just, maybe. Well, maybe. Okay, but let, let's let's put Trevor aside because he was the story of camp, really. Other than Nolan Arenado just going crazy with uh, 500 plus batting average and I think six home runs. To me, the one guy that really stood out to me, Nick, uh, and I don't know how much of an impact he'll have this year, but he did make the 25-man roster, and that's the young right-handed reliever Miguel Castro. You and I both saw him. I think it was one of the backfields early. Uh, it was one of the the spring games, or maybe it was even in live BP. And I was watching this guy, 6'5", throwing 98 miles an hour. Guys were walking away from him, sh- veterans, walking away, shaking their heads. And I thought, wow, this guy's got something special. And the more we saw him pitching games, even though he gave up some long balls, I just thought this guy has got nasty stuff. He goes after people. He doesn't walk batters. And of all the people that kind of caught me off guard, Miguel Castro was my number one. He There was the one game he gave up two home runs in the ninth. Back to back, Back I to back. Yeah. And he got a little sideways in that game. But, that, I mean, that'll happen. He's 20, was he 21 years 21, old? 21, yeah. Uh, the rest of the time, that skewed his stats a little bit. The rest of the time, he was he was aces so to speak. And, and they'll, I think they're going to go to him a lot and early. There are some people around who think by the end of this year that he could be pushing to be a closer. I don't think so. I think he's a little too young for that. And they already have McGee and who knows when Mott gets back from the shoulder surgery or injury rather. Uh, but Miguel Castro was one of my surprises. Nick, who, who did you see besides Castro that really impressed you? Well, more, more so because of his story. Because, like you said, let's ignore Trevor's story for a second. He's going to be the Rockies starting starting shortstop. Uh, oh, crazy story in its own right. The okay. story, the story, the story, story, is, story. The story, story is crazy. And we'll set aside Arenado. Like you said, he hit five forty two. I mean, right. come on, we'll, we could talk about that for a whole podcast. But Tony Walters, the catcher. Ah, you're right. Who came, I overlooked all spring. He came out of nowhere. But he, even in our defense, and maybe this is me being defensive, but even a week before Walt Weiss finally named him the opening day backup catcher, he, he was not in the mix. It, it, he came on hard and at the end. They were set on Dustin Garneau late into camp, and Tony Walters totally snuck in. And talking to him, the biggest, 
the, I, I think the thing that he has going for him, and they they look for defense first in a catcher. Like let's let's be honest. Sure, particularly in a backup catcher. Partic- like that. Yeah. Especially in a backup catcher, somebody who can handle the pitchers, who can communicate well. If he can hit at all, that's a bonus. But on top of all of that, Tony Walters. Not to sound cheesy about this, but he is like a beam of sunshine. Like it's just like t- talking to him, being around him. He's super positive. Wants to play baseball. Loves to play baseball. Grew up watching the Padres. You know, when you if you ask him who was his favorite Padre, he would probably name every single yeah. one of them. <laughs> he just loves everything. I think people just like really like to be around Tony Walters. And he he's very much. We talked about this a little bit. He's very much like Michael McKenna. I was about to say that. And then the only difference is Michael McHenry could not play second base. Right, right yes. Michael McHenry, uh, for both of us, and I think anybody who was in the Rockies clubhouse, uh, terrific guy, prototypical backup catcher who, in my, my estimation, someday is going to be a major league coach at the, at the very least, perhaps a manager type uh, at the very most. But Walters, yeah, I agree. He was, he was, and you know what, Nick? I think he was surprised too. And he was the happiest guy on the planet the day he was called in the office and they told him he had made the team. He was only, he's only 23. I mean, he's, he's young for a catcher. He's very unusual for a catcher. He, he, like you said, like you alluded to, he's unlike Michael McHenry because he can play, he can play second base and shortstop. That's why that's part of the reason why they like him. He's a catcher who's also a middle infield. It's very yeah. rare. Jordan Pacheco did it a little bit, but not not to the same degree that right. Tony Walters does. And we might see the Rockies backup catcher also be a backup middle infielder, which would be a crazy story in itself. Uh l- let's get to the heart of the matter here real fast before we talk to Christian Bergman. What the the number one thing that the Rockies will sink or swim on this year, it's the same every single year. There's nothing new about it. Is their rotation? What what they what do you how do you feel about this rotation right now coming out of spring going into the season against knowing they're going against somebody like Zach Greinke? It's hard to not measure them immediately no, against a pitcher I, like that. I, I I came into camp skeptical about the rotation, and I'm on the record, and I've written this many times. That for all the good things I think Jeff Bridge has done during the offseason, and I applaud some of the things he's done, I thought it was very short-sighted of the Rockies to essentially count on what they had in-house to make up their starting rotation. And now I think it's coming back to bite them. In the middle of camp, when the games first started, I was kind of positive. But as the camp and the Cactus games rolled on, there were some red flags to me. I don't think Jorge De La Rosa looks very good right now. Uh, he could turn it all around. He's done it before, uh, but he doesn't look good. I've been very disappointed in Jordan Lyles. Mm-hmm. I think he's struggling to f- with his command. He doesn't look like he really knows what he wants to do in terms of attacking hitters. Uh, I think uh, Chad Bettis is their best pitcher, and I have very high hopes for him. I have very high hopes for uh, Tyler Chatwood, too, but I still worry about that elbow. Twice Tommy John surgery. He's got a lot of torque in that arm. And who knows what we're going to think about John Gray, who is not going to start the season on the rotation because of that ab strain. And, Nick, I'm going to ask you, I thought John Gray showed some really good stuff this spring, but I am not of the opinion that he's ready to make that great leap forward. Now, you may disagree with me completely, but that's how I feel. No, I agree completely. In fact, I I would worry that even over a season, a season is a long 
is a long period of time. But he has a long way to go. Not just I don't just mean early in the season, like he might not take over and make a leap before the before the break. I wonder about all season. I mean, I need I there there needs to be a lot of growth from him. And and you know he can't make that growth unless he's pitching he's pitching for the Rockies in major league games and he's not going to do that maybe for a possibly for a full month, but to your point of of being disappointed in them not adding a veteran starter, you know at first I wondered well maybe they don't want to have a veteran to be in the way of of giving younger guys yeah. Gray Hoffman Butler, but here we are Tom. Patrick, coming out of spring, Gray's on the shelf with an injury. David Hale is still coming back from an injury. The the Rockies' sixth starter right now is uh, Christian Bergman will be the fifth starter. He's supposed to be their long reliever. Right. After him, take your pick from Chris Russon, Johan Flande, or Eddie Butler, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're suddenly very thin. They could really use, right now, a veteran... Arm. I, I know that everybody could use a veteran arm right now, but the money that they're saving, that they will save on Jose Reyes from his suspension that's, that is that is coming any day now, they, it seems like they could have folded into at least a, the pursuit of a veteran arm, like you said. I, I think it, it's, it's coming back to bite them. It, it, it is. You know, let me play devil's advocate for just a minute, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not backtracking what I'm saying, but I suppose you could look at it and say... Is it better to plan for the future and basically ride with what you got right now and playing devil's advocate, knowing that you're not going to be competitive this year and just shoot for the future as opposed to wasting, say, $5 million on a Kyle Kendrick again? Um, I suppose to get a veteran, even a Giovanni Gallardo or somebody like that, you were going to have to spend some big bucks. And to play devil's advocate, maybe that, that guy just wasn't out there. Jeff Bright has said, no, it's not our game plan. Why spend money on trying to bring in a pitcher or trade prospects for a pitcher? But having said that, uh, it's just seeing what I've seen this spring training. It looks like it's going to be another long season. I, 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 I am in agreement. I soured on them over the last two weeks, especially from pitching. Um, but one one pitcher who is pitching well, he's pitching very well for the Rockies. He's really settled in to a, a long relief role for them. Um, even though he's going to be a starter, Walt Weiss named him the fifth starter, and they'll use him when they first need him, which is somewhere in the middle of the month. It's Christian Bergman, and we'll uh, we'll talk to Christian here uh, right after um, this like five second break here on the On the Rocks podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the On the Rocks podcast. I'm Nick Groke here with Rockies right-hander Christian Bergman. We're surrounded by packed bags here, Christian. Do you feel good to be getting out of spring training finally? Yeah, I spent the whole offseason here, um, me and Chad Bettis, a couple other guys. Um, so we've been working hard, you know, whole offseason and spring training, so it's, it's good to get out of here finally. Is, is spring training is so long. Is it just one giant workout for you? Do you get... Do you get revved up for the games at all? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you go so long without seeing a hitter in the box, and then 
for a while early in spring training you're just seeing your own guys so you know those first few outings definitely um, you know it's good to get out there and face other teams and then you know kind of towards the end um, you know it gets a little long but uh, you know it's over quick enough so um, you know but like I said, it's good to get out of here. Yeah, yeah I, I think for everybody. But um, you were telling us something interesting last night. The A lot of pitchers will sort of ramp up to exactly where they need to be. You're a little different. With your pitch counts especially, what, what were you aiming for here at the end in the last two your last two outings? Uh, I wanted to get built up as much as I could, <clears throat> as much like a starter as I could, um, because you know there will be situations in the year when um, you know, usually it would be around, you know, three or four innings. And if I'm built up to five plus when I, when I get those three innings outings in, um, they seem almost a little easier and I feel like I'm able to recover faster too. Um, so if I have to be ready in two days after that, I feel like I'm able to do that. It's almost like a, like a hitter swinging a donut. Like you go pat, you know, you know, go past it and come back. So at this point, do you feel good? Are you, are you in a good place here? Yeah, I, I feel great right now. Um, you know, after the last two outings, I had a, a bit of soreness, which is a good thing. Um, it's not a, a bad soreness. It just means that you know, you're building you're building up each time. Um, and most importantly, I recovered great. Um, my bullpen days always went well. Um, so I'm excited and uh, I'm ready to go where I'm at. The You're, you're in kind of a, a weird position normally. I mean, you're sort of on call every day in your role. Um, but the team will start with four starters. Are you are you kind of do you feel a little bit in flux? Like you're a little bit more on your toes here to start the year at all? Uh, in the way um, that I don't know, you know exactly when uh, you know that first outing will come, and you have to, you know, if there's a, a start coming up that I need to make, then you have to kind of time the, you know, the the days off and the rest days according to that. Um, so you know, I. I like I always say in this role, you just have to be flexible and adapt. You're kind of on the other side of the clubhouse from where the the hitters are. The pitchers are kind of together, but did it seem did it does it seem different all this year? There's Tulo's gone, um, but the, a lot of the same faces. It seems like there's definitely a sort of continuation, a continuity from last season. Does it feel different at all this year? Yeah, I feel a very, you know, close connection with, um, you know, all the guys in the clubhouse and I, we all get along well. And, uh, you know, most importantly, the, the guys we brought in, um, we've all kind of gelled together, um, even though it's, you know, the season hasn't even started yet. Um, you know, but there's a, there's a good vibe and I think everyone's excited to get going. The last one here for you, <laughs> there's, there's so much work for you all to do in spring training. Do you get a chance to have any fun at all? And then, is, like, is there anything that you're going to miss about Scottsdale now that you're going back to Denver? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of hiking um, when I'm out here and I have time. You know, once spring training hits, I don't really feel like going back out in the sun after I've been out there all day. Um, but, you know, I, I also miss in the offseason traveling around and going to different cities. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of turn the page and get going in the season. Hey, appreciate it, and uh, and good luck here starting on Monday. All right, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the On the Rocks podcast. That was Christian Bergman, Christian Beauregard Bergman, who will pitch as a starter at some point uh, in the first month for the Rockies, somewhere in, around 
Chadwick Reginald. No, wait. Chadwick Reginald? Chad, Chadwick Reginald Bettis the third. The third is the fake, the fake full name that Patrick has bestowed upon him that has at least at this table stuck. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Chad Bettis likes it very much, but Oh, Chad loves it. I call him that all the time. Yeah, Chadwick Reginald. Oh, I say Chadwick Reginald. How's it going? He just smiles, he loves it. I don't sure he understands it, but that's okay. Hey, there's probably a lot of stuff about you that he doesn't <laughs> understand. Uh, let's get to some uh, some predictions here coming into the twenty sixteen season. Let's look, Patrick, real fast at the National League West. Very difficult division. It's not NL Central dif- difficult, but it's certainly upgraded over last season. Um some a lot of movement within the division, a lot of additions to the division. Zach Greinke is now the ace in Arizona. Johnny Cueto is pitching in San Francisco with Samarja. with Jeff Smarja. Shelby Miller's in Arizona. Um, the the Dodgers ha- hire, hired like every single person possible for their front office. I I have no idea. I haven't looked at their media guide yet. The front office section must be just like <laughs> thirty pages long. I hope they don't all have full bios because that's a lot of paper wasted. The um, what what Patrick do you see, and and you wrote about this in Sunday's Denver Post in your big previews. But how do you see the NL West shaking down? Well, you know, originally I was very bullish on the Diamondbacks, and this was, and I wrote my preview before Pollock hurt his elbow and he might be lost for the season. That's a huge, huge blow for them. I had picked the Diamondbacks to win the West. My order was D-backs, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Rockies. Um, I, I really liked the Diamondbacks. Not just Shelby Mellor and Zach Granke, but I, I liked Pollock before he got hurt. I really like Goldschmidt. I think they're athletic. I think they have one of the two or three best defenses in all of baseball. Their bullpen's eh, not great, but not too bad. But i got to backtrack a little bit now with Pollock out for so long. I think that's a huge missing piece. Uh, to me, the Giants are right there with them. Uh, I think the Giants are really solid up the middle, starting with Buster Posey behind the plate. Uh, Bumgarner, of course, Madison Bumgarner is a terrific starter, and you add him to the two you already mentioned. Their bullpen's pretty salty. So the Giants are always a tough team. Dodgers, in my mind, you know, a lot of people nationally are picking them because they do have talent, they do spend money, and Dave Roberts, their new manager, hopefully get things changed around, but they still seem kind of dysfunctional to me. They don't seem to be a team. It's always, to me, the Dodgers are a bunch of moving parts that never quite mesh. And until they prove me wrong, I'm going to continue seeing it that way. And then the Padres and the Rockies, in my mind, are fighting to stay out of the cellar. Oh, it'll be a scorcher of a race for fourth place. <laughs> no, it really might be. They might come down to the wire for fourth place. The Dodgers, I don't think a team had a worse spring training than the Dodgers. In well, all injury-wise, was devastating. Oh, they were just a mess, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, I think the Giants are World Series champions. I, really? I am, I am really impressed by them. I th- well, I, it's an, it is an even year. It is an even year. I, I don't know. I'm really I, I'm like constantly impressed by Brandon Crawford. Um I, I think he, he's a he's a really very good player. Um, the Dime, the Diamondbacks are strange. We were looking at their stats earlier today, you and I, and you, you look at their their lineup. They're not like that scary. On paper, they're no a, a lineup on paper. On paper, they don't match the Rockies. No, if you look at raw stats. No, and uh, although there's some 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 anomalies, like you know AJ Pollock, who who like you said, he injured his elbow. He's not going to play for a while. Had half as many home runs and half as many RBIs as Nolan Arenado, almost exactly. But had like 
like a 30% better war last season. He's a very good player. He plays center field, yeah. a high-value position. He's very good defensively. They're, they're a strange one to figure out. You know the thing, though? I remember, Nick, I was thinking about this. Early in spring training, we have the, the uh, Cactus League Media Day where they bring in the GMs and all the managers from the teams. And we were down at, uh, at uh, one of the hotels here. And I was trying to get a sense from other National League West and just National League managers in general about the Diamondbacks. And the thing that everybody kept saying that most impressed us about the D-backs was no team in baseball, and at least in the National League, and I think that the Royals are, do this in the AL, executes as well as the D-backs do. In other words, they do a lot of the fundamentals. They can mash, but they can also move runners along. They play good defense. They seem to understand what they want to do. Sometimes that only gets you so far. But the D-backs are an impressive team. And Walt Weiss even said that last year toward the end of the year. And the, the D-backs kicked the Rockies' butt last year. I don't know exactly what the team record was. Uh, but Walt Weiss has said many times he loves the way the D-backs approach the game. And I think that's one of the, the things that makes them uh, an interesting group. It'll be, a fun, it'll be a fun race, I think, in the NL West. And for Rockies fans, even if it means these teams – are coming in ultra competitive in the course field. The, I think Rockies fans are, will see some good baseball at course field. Cause those teams are going to be in it and early. They're going to be invested. They're going to be amped up right yeah. away. Uh, knowing that there are games to be gained or lost in the NL West, like immediately they, they all play each other a thousand times. Uh, let's, we'll, we'll talk that. Let's, let's find out what Nick Bocoro, the Arizona Republic thinks about the diamondbacks and the NL West. And when we come back on the, on the rocks podcast, uh, we'll have some predictions for this year for the Rockies. Uh, Walt Weiss, where will what will happen with him? Who will be the team MVP? Who might be the biggest surprise? At best case, worst case scenarios for the Rockies. We'll cover all of that uh, right after we talk to Nick Picaro. Coming up next on the On the Rocks podcast. All right, I'm here with Nick Bacoro, the Arizona Republic, global baseball reporter who also just happens to cover the Diamondbacks. <laughs> we are uh, talking National League West. Um, Nick, other Nick, uh, I've seen the Diamondbacks play 85 times this spring. Are you sick of the Rockies at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it figures that we have to play them like twice here at the end and then they open up with the Rockies it just feels like every year there's just like so much Rockies even in like instructional league I'll, I'll go out to watch games in the fall and it's always Diamondbacks Rockies it's just like I I, I feel like I know their uh, players and their system as well almost as I know the Diamondbacks players and, and system the the Rockies today actually hid their this Late in spring training, they hid Chad Bettis. Yeah. They threw him into a minor league game just because they were like, well, it's not. The Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks did the same thing with Patrick Corbin, but it's like, what's the difference? I mean, it's the Rockies. They know they're, they they know these pitchers. You know, the, the, Both teams know the pitchers, and both teams know the hitters so well. It's like, is it really that big a deal? Yeah, this, yeah does Chad Bettis have a new curveball that's really going right, to right, freak right. out Paul Goldschmidt? But I guess Patrick Corbin is trying to work on a changeup that he didn't throw a whole lot in the past. So, I mean, you can make the argument. And, I, I mean, I get it. I, it's just it's just funny because, I mean, they just see them so much they're going to 
probably the starters are probably going to throw five, six times against them during the regular season. It's just it just seems never ending. Well, speaking of starters, Zach Granke is the biggest addition to the Diamondbacks. There's a there's a mixed feeling though I've noticed about the Diamondbacks, starting with Granke. Has there been in Arizona? Has there been two? Does it feel like there's been a lot put on him? He's a dodgy fella, so like he might not. I don't know if he feels it, but is there a pressure around him for this season? I don't know that he feels it either. Um, I've heard uh, people say that he seems really happy here, and that he's told other people how happy he is to be here. Um, but you're right. I mean, this isn't like going to L.A. where he's like you know, the sixth biggest name in the clubhouse. I'm probably exaggerating, but you know what I mean. There's like he's surrounded by Clayton Kershaw and Yasiel Puig and Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and all these famous people. Um but here he's like, you know, he's expected to be, you know, this sort of savior to the to the pitching staff. Uh, not only um, you know, put up Cy Young type numbers, but be the guy that's gonna lead this group of young starters and this entire young staff in general, um, you know, to October. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that thinks too much about that kind of stuff. I really don't. I mean, he doesn't, he, he really doesn't seem to, to like concern himself with that sort of, you know, with narratives and, and that sort of BS really. I mean, he, he's, he's kind of great. I mean, in a lot of ways, he, it's, he's fun to talk to. Like the other day we asked him about, the Dynamax just finished the spring with like a 22 and 8 record in the Cactus League, and somebody asked him about you know whether they can carry that kind of momentum into the regular season, and he's like, and he he's very funny because he just has this very unique way of talking, just like very slow and and uh, deliberate, and but he basically just said like, no, doesn't matter to me. I think spring training stats are basically worthless. And just like left it at that, like this long silence right after, and we're just all kind of laughing. But you know, that's that's just the way he is. He's not gonna um, he's not gonna really care about narratives or what other people say about stuff. If he doesn't care about narratives, we certainly do. And the Rockies are sort of constantly looking for that window where they can where they can succeed. It's a sh- it's usually a small window for them. Um, are the the Diamondbacks though? It seems from from the outside that they have a very wide window. They just happen to be in a very good division. What what? This is where the reaction for them I've, I've noticed is mixed. I mean, I people are very confident the Dodgers are the best team in the division. Then there are people who are very com- like me who are very confident that the Di- that the Giants are the best team in the division. But then there is another third who think the Diamondbacks. Like, what is it really that close? What? How does the division shake out? Yeah. Um. I. Th- I think it's pretty close. I mean, I think it could come down to something as simple as, like, the team that stays the healthiest. Um, I mean, that's often what it comes down to, right? Uh, but um, I, I can see all three of these teams. I mean, look, if you really want, you can go through all three of those rosters and be like, okay, what are the Giants really going to get out of Jeff Samarja? Is Jake Peavy done? Is Matt Kane done? Is that bullpen going to be able to hold up? Is Brandon Crawford for real? And you can kind of go through, like, you know, position. Is Denard Span their whole outfield? You know, the Dodgers, whether it's, like, uh, I mean, the starting pitching beyond Kershaw, um, Jock Peterson, uh, you know, the injury to Ethier. Um, you know, there, there's just, like, all sorts of... of Questions you can you can point to for all these teams, and Dimex included. I mean, the middle infield, the bullpen, um, is Jake Lamb for real? 
Um, but I, I think I think they're all really talented. I think I think you know it's probably going to come down to a couple of guys, two or three guys on each team. Like whether there's a a Matt Duffy this year, you know, or a DJ LeMahieu, or you know, just that that guy you don't really see coming, or you know, kind of that you know that linchpin type of player that could make the difference. But you're right, the Dimebacks have. Um, what looks like a, a window here, maybe for a couple of seasons um, before guys start getting really expensive. Uh, I think it's going to be important that they win. Um, you know, they traded away a lot of high-end talent to uh, to other teams over the last couple of years, um, and I, I think they're going to really need to capitalize. Uh, you know, with Goldschmidt and Pollock and Corbin and Shelby Miller and those guys all in their prime, and Granky. You know, he's a 32-year-old pitcher, so I mean, he looks like the kind of guy that could age well. But um, you never know with arms. So, I mean, it, it seems like the time is now for these guys. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. This is not a test because I, I wouldn't really expect you. But I think, you'd, I think you probably can answer this. I wouldn't expect anyone to, but I think you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when, I, when we were talking the other night about the Rockies, I think I said something like, well, you know, they'll be fighting maybe for fourth place. I think you. I think it was you who reacted. Well, of course they'll finish in fourth place. The Padres stink, but I. I mean, I, may I don't. But where? Where? What is it? I'm curious about your sort of outside view of the Rockies. Is there anything different that? Or do you feel anything differently about them this year than the last than the last three? Um, no, not really. I'm not sure that I would say that strongly that the Padres are going to finish fifth or the Rockies are going to finish. I, I think those two teams are definitely going to be at the bottom of the, of the division. Um, no, I mean, I, I kind of look at the Rockies um, kind of as that team that's, that's like just still trying to find its footing and try to figure out like when it's going to make its run. You know, I, I see what they did, you know, and I, I, I think that they have some, some talent coming in a lot of ways. Um, you, you know, I, 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 I understood the Tulowitzki trade um, more for them, I think, than I did for the, for the Blue Jays. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, they, they, they saved some money. Um, they, uh, they got back some pretty good pitching prospects, which they, they desperately needed. Um, yeah, I I uh, I was I was actually surprised they were able to get as much for Tulowitzki, um, given as much money as he had left on his deal. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I we'll see what the you know that pitcher they got back from. Uh, I mean, not just McGee, but um, uh, Marquez was that his name? Uh, the guy they got back from the Rays is supposed to be supposed to have a pretty good arm, supposed to be a you know a, a pretty good uh, pitching prospect. We'll see if they can start to kind of create some. You know, some sort of uh, some sort of depth in in their prospect inventory, and something that you can kind of get excited about building around. You know, um, they're always going to have the bats. You know, I mean, Char Story looks good. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a solid career. You know, as a hitter. But I mean, the Rockies just have to get some. They have to build up some depth, in my opinion, just enough. You know, whether it's whether it's just a slew of relievers, whether it's three or four starting pitchers, you feel really good about. Just, just a, a collection of guys that, that you're going to feel like you have a chance going in with all the attrition that's going to happen at Coors Field. Um, so I just still feel like they're an organization that's kind of trying to find their way. Right. No, you're very right. You're very correct. And maybe someday they will. Last question. Key, the, key, the most key, 
pickiest question yet. Salt River Fields has a half-pound hot dog with green chili, mac and cheese, and pulled pork on top of it. Have you had? Have you ordered and eaten this thing? No. Have you? No. Have you no it sounds. It looked horrible. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Did you see the thing the Braves are doing? The. <laughs> It's like a combination hamburger pizza. Bur- oh, it's God, like a yes, burger pizza or pizza or I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's like a slice of pepperoni, yeah. a a burger patty, and then another slice of pepperoni, kind of serving as like the bun to the burger, the two slices of pizza. Yeah, no, I saw people's reactions. Like, oh, that's brilliant. That's not brilliant at all. That's disgusting. <laughs> it looks like it looks like it looks like the kind of pizza. It kind of looks like grade school cafeteria pizza yeah with like i don't know and there's bacon on there it's like jesus they threw bacon on there too really uh, yeah there's bacon (laughs) on the burger there's pepperoni on the pizza bacon on the burger i mean look i I eat like very much like a 12 year old i'll totally admit that like i love burgers i love pizza i love chicken fingers like come on i'm i'm the worst but you can't just combine things and expect it to to look good. It looks terrible. It looks so disgusting. And Steve Gilbert, who uh, covers the Diamondbacks for MLB.com, is the other beat writer that I work with, keeps talking about how we're going to eat that when we go to Atlanta. I'm not eating that when we no. go to Atlanta. <laughs> he, he, yeah, there, that's an easy no for me. But yes, um, if you do, tell me. But I... But I would, yeah, no. I think you've made the proper decision prehand. Yeah, I'm not eating. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Welcome back to the On the Rocks podcast. Uh, Nick Groke of the Denver Post here with Patrick Saunders in Arizona. Um, Patrick, let's, let's, before we get to the worst case, best case scenario, scenarios, for the for the Rockies, um, who who might be let's let's just say for, straight off and not spend a lot of time on it because it's obvious who's going to be the MVP for the Rockies this year. Uh, well, I don't think it's going to be Walters, even though as much as you love him, <laughs> Tony Walters. Kidding, I like the kid too. It's it's got to be Nolan. I mean, there's no question about it. And in my mind, even if Nolan doesn't hit 42 home runs again, I think he could still even have a better year. Uh, a lot of the, the seam heads out there say he's, his war isn't what it should be. He's not as valuable as all of us around him think he is because his on-base percentage isn't high enough, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think this year his, his on-base goes up a little bit. I think his average will be closer to 300 this year. And I still think he'll hit 35-plus home runs. Whether he hits 42 or not, I don't know. He's still going to win another gold glove. And I hope for his sake and for baseball's sake – I hope people around the country start paying a little more attention to him because in my mind, he's one of the top 10 players in all of baseball. He In, in spring, he hit a team-high home run. I think he had six home runs, seven mm-hmm. home runs. Uh, but he was not swinging for the fences. Yeah, he, he wasn't. He, he was really under control at bat, and I think that showed in his 542 average, which was just uh, the best in baseball. I mean, spring stats mean bubkiss, but, I mean, he was hitting he was hitting like crazy. It was ridiculous. Um, what, what about what about the – maybe biggest surprise. I guess it's not a surprise if we're t- already talking about it, but what c- might be the biggest surprise? Of the, the, the regular season, the biggest surprise prediction, right? Boy, that's Give me something from left field, so to speak. Well, that would be Gerardo Parra. Well, oh, no, yeah. you, don't, you don't mean that. The biggest surprise, let's see. Oh, man, that, that, that's a toughie. 
Um, I would say I think that Adam Ottavino is going to come back about midseason, and I think by come September, I think he's going to be lights out again. I really do. Now, that's maybe not a big surprise to people, but you remember, coming off Tommy John that quickly, he is so dedicated, he so much wants this, that I'm not saying he's going to be their closer, but I bet you he's a seventh or eighth inning guy by August or September. I have that much faith in Adam. The, it would be, if if not a surprise, it would be extremely impressive because it would. Uh, he, he would be coming back, like you said, very quickly. And I think that more, he was throwing the ball harder before he, he injured his elbow, which might not be the case when he returns. But he was throwing a lot smarter. He figured out how, where, how he can belong in the majors. He, he developed three different sliders. He was throwing the ball really well he and was. really smart. And I think he and, – and getting righties and lefties out, he was doing very well. I think yeah, if he, if he comes back and is closing games for the Rockies this year, it would be a great story. Well, let me ask you, who, do you, who would you be your pick? A, a complete surprise. I, 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 well, I'm not sure about surprise, but I, I, I think that we will see – we will see the young arms that this team has – is so invested in. We will see them this year. They were gun shy after bringing up and then getting bit by. So you think we'll see Hoffman? I think we'll see Hoffman. Really? I think we'll see Freeland. Oh, really? See, uh, I disagree with the Freeland. Kyle Freeland. Well, he's starting in Double A, so you might be right. Right. But, but I, 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 he pitched well. He pitched with the Triple A group in spring training. I, um, I was a little surprised that he went to Double A right. to begin the year. Um, but I, I think. If 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 they pitch well and they don't need to pitch lights out, they just need to show that they're under right. control. Uh, I I think that the we could see some of them later in the season and not and it's just so difficult after after Eddie Butler they got bit with it, calling up Eddie Butler too soon. It's a difficult kind of conundrum, especially if they're out of it and right. there's no reason to be burning guys too early, but. Uh, I suspect that we might start seeing some of them. They they need they they I think are curious to see what that'll be, they have. That'll be I would love to see, just for the sake of watching him pitch, I would love to see Jeff Hoffman make his debut, get up here, and see what he can do because they gave up an awful lot for him. Ty, Tyler Anderson's in the mix as well. Antonio Sensatella. These are the arms that that might be coming up um, sooner, maybe later, maybe both. Um, what what Patrick? He's in the final year of his contract. Mm-hmm. What happens with Walt Weiss this season? You know what? There were times last year, Nick, where I think, and I'm not saying this because Walt told me this, but it's what other people told me and what I'm speculating, uh, that it might have been pretty close to the end for him last year. The frustration level, I think, was that high. I think Walt's in a good place right now. I think he finishes out the season. I think he finishes his last year of his contract unless the Rockies completely implode early. Um, after that, it would not surprise me at all to see this as Walt's last year. Uh, I could see Jeff Breidich looking at him and saying, listen, Walt, um, you've had your chance. This is, you've been here four years. Uh, the team has really not progressed that much. I have a vision for the team that maybe yours isn't quite the same as mine, and we're going to part ways with, with not a lot of headlines and everything else that's that's why i think it'll probably come down unless the rockies surprise us and make great improvements and wall will come back i i am under the opinion i am of the opinion that if 
if Walt Weiss does not return as manager next season, it won't be because, or it shouldn't be because of what he has done or not done. You can look at his record and say that's not a winning manager, but he's been given nothing to work with. I agree with that. There, and the, but the, the conundrum that the, the Rockies are sort of in with him is if their window begins to, if, if they've set up their window to win, to start opening next season, maybe mid-2017, whatever it is, mm. you, you can't bring Walt Weiss back on a one-year deal. If you're going to start, if, if, if that's when your window begins to open, you either have to commit to him for the length of that window or commit to somebody else. But bringing him back on a one-year deal for him to just do this all over again would be stupid. So you're saying the window. You're, you're talking about the window to, to actually compete. You think it opens possibly 2017, maybe 2018. And am I reading you right? You're saying you can't give Walt Weiss a one-year deal as a placeholder. As a yeah. placeholder? That, 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 that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a really good point. I'm not sure it's fair to him. Right. And I'm not sure it's fair to the organization. He, he, I, I, he shouldn't want it. I don't right. know if he but would. But, you know, I want to back up something you said. And and I get a lot of heat for this, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, I get emails and people saying that we don't ask Wallet tough enough questions and we let him get away with stuff. And uh, One, people don't understand when you're on the beat, you have to have a relationship with a manager. Two, it would no good do us no good at all to badger Walt with outlandish questions, which we know he's not going to answer. And three, I know a lot of people out there don't necessarily like the way Walt handles his bullpen. Having said all of that, though, and, and you hit it right in the head, really, what chance has Walt Weiss had to really see what he can do as a major league manager? Uh, right? If, if I we, mean, really, what, what chance has he had to be in games and to manage in the clutch, he hasn't. If, he's been he's been trying to tread water, keep it is that above water. If we if we looked back on his three years and watched every single minute of every game and marked down the times when a Walt Weiss in game move cost them a victory, I I, I would I would be surprised if there was one. Oh no, there's more than that. I I, I can name a few. I can oh. name I can name a few right off the top of my head. A couple of years ago, we put. He took out Latroy Hawkins as designated closer, and he went with Boone Logan. This was in Philly, and Boone gave up. I think it was a grand slam. There's been times you're, when, you're I've, right, you're right. when I've scratched my head, and I've wondered. I'm not going to say Walt Weiss is guilt-free. He's made some bonehead moves, but my point is, over the long haul, he hasn't. You have to give him a little bit of the benefit. Now. Nothing that would have swung their season is no, they they wouldn't have finished fourth instead of fifth last no, year. That's if, fair if to not, say. That's fair to say. Yeah, the it's a diff, it's a difficult thing to 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 look at a manager. You can do it a little bit more with Matheny and St. Louis, whatever. Where <laughs> where they're winning, they're winning or losing games three to two, right? And they're you know you you can you can break down a game to its very minute parts. Rockies games are, especially the last few years, because they've been so wild, and you and often so and so often on the losing side. It, it's it's more difficult to parse a game to managerial decisions. That's true. Um, what what, Patrick? Let's let's go glass half empty here okay. first. What is the worst case scenario for the Rockies this season? Well, the worst case scenario, and I'm not going to throw out specific injuries because I don't want to go there, but. The worst case scenario to me is that we discussed this early in the podcast, Nick. The starting rotation uh, fails to meet even our 
meager expectations, uh, blows up, doesn't do a good job, and then this bullpen that they put together, which supposedly is the strength of the team, gets wiped out early by July or early August and is so overtaxed and tired that you start getting injuries, you start getting fatigue, the bullpen blows up, and it becomes this huge disaster, which we've seen a lot. To me, that would be the worst-case scenario. That coupled with them not being able to turn around a winning record at home. They were nine games under 500 at Coors last year. They can't do that. They've got to be, if they ever want to be competitive, they have to win 50 to 55 games at home to even sniff being a competitive baseball team. Worst case scenario for me, Patrick, A, Johan Flande starts 15 games this year. (laughs) No no offense. I love Johan Flande, but he's not a starter. And if he's starting 15 games, that means your rotation is shot. It's either injuries or or completely flamed out, and you have to call up Johan Flande and he starts 15 games. That's a bad, bad sign. And... The, the the Vegas over under for on the Rockies was sixty eight and a half. Sixty eight or sixty eight and a half. I think so, yes. Um which would give them ninety, what, ninety six losses. Right. Um worst case the they're they were pro- projected more like seventy four wins. I, I think they'll come in under seventy four, but certainly above sixty eight. If they lose one hundred games for the first time in franchise history, it's not just the continue it's not just this team waiting for their window to open, waiting for projects, prospects to come up. That's just bad. That's just bad. That's the worst. That's – you can't they, – they could not accept that. No. I don't think they're going to lose 100 games. I don't think so either. But. Here's, here's my prediction. I, I think there's some talent there. and We're going for the little best case here uh, now. Well, Or do you, do you want reality or are we looking at best case here? Uh, Save the best case. Okay. Let's save dreaming for a second. Okay. What what really happens? What do I think really happens? Yeah. I I've already been on the record. I think they win seventy two. They go seventy two and ninety. Uh, probably finish in fifth place, maybe fourth. Uh, I think they'll be a little bit comp- more competitive. I don't think we'll see as many ugly games. I think we will see some growth. Uh, I also think there's a very solid chance Cargo gets traded mid uh, or late July. Um, it would not shock me if things aren't going well to see them try to uh, trade Jake McGee because he's only got a two-year deal. Uh, and who knows, maybe even Jorge De La Rosa, if somebody comes along, he's in the final year of his contract, which would basically continue the breakdown of what we've known and it all signs point to the future. So those are all scenarios that are, I think are possible, but my bottom line is 72 and 90, a little brand, better brand of baseball, but still a lot of... Uh, frustration from Rockies fans. If Johan Flande starts 15 games at the end of the year because he replaced Jorge De La Rosa because they traded him for for good prospects, that's I'll, I'll change my worst case scenario into a best case scenario because that would work very well for them. Best case best case scenario overall for the Rockies, I think it looks like this: John Gray is their best pitcher at the end of the year. Okay, that would be wonderful. He, he overtakes. He he makes a huge leap, a big leap is their best pitcher, goes into 2017 as the de facto ace or, or number two, whatever it is. Um, and and the Rockies have have flipped Carlos Gonzalez as much as it would pain me to see him go because he's so much fun to watch. They flipped him for prospects in a too low-like deal hmm. uh, to, to get at least two players in return who, who will be viable major leaguers. Uh, that would be a best-case scenario. And then and as far as competitively speaking – if they, 
if they finish in fourth place and are sniffing 500 in August, maybe even to September, I'm not talking about being in it in a, in a division race at all. But if they're if they're sniffing 500, that would be glory. That I if I were wonderful. a Rockies, I, I think that would be glorious for them if they could do that. Well, you know, you 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 mentioned best case scenario, and to me, it would work. What you said about John Gray is telling. Now, I've already said I don't expect that of him. But I'm not saying it's not possible. To me, the best case scenario would be the starting rotation stays healthy. Uh, those guys either meet or exceed expectations, and that would include Chatwood and Bettis and De La Rosa. Toward the end of the year, Hoffman comes up. He gets his start. He shows he can do what he can do. The bullpen, which is significantly better on paper, stays injury-free. Uh, all the position players have a good season, and I would agree with you, they could flirt with 500 going in toward the end of the year. Now, it's a quantum leak, I think, to say flirting with 500 is going to get you to the playoffs, but getting to the one wild card game, you know, it's not unusual to be around 500 and go on a run toward the end and make it. Now, I'm dreaming a lot here, but my best case scenario is pretty much matches yours. The rotation is better than we think. Hoffman comes up, adds to it. The bullpen stays healthy. The position players play and hit like we think they can. And second half of the year, and maybe even into September, they're flirting with 500. I lost the sound on your mic there for a second because your head was in the clouds, but that's okay. <laughs> the, 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 there's, there's certainly one way or another. There's a lot to look for in this rocky season it 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 starts at third base that he's i you know i was talking i was talking with mark kisler the other day about this and we'll have more about this later in the week hopefully on a new on the rocks podcast but two best tickets in town are von miller i i it's worth buying a broncos ticket to watch von miller alone and it's worth buying a rockies ticket to watch nolan arenado alone it's it's it'll it's it will be it will be a fun summer of baseball, one way or another. Even I agree with you. You know, if you're if you're one of those people, and I know there's a lot of them out there who say Rockies aren't worth my time, they aren't worth my attention, they aren't worth my dollar. Well, that's your choice. I understand that. But if you're if you love baseball, and if you are a father with a young children, uh, daughter or son who loves baseball, take them out a couple times. Go early. Watch Nolan Arenado. Take BP, watch him play third base. It's worth the price of admission to see Nolan Arenado. The, taking fungos during infield practice alone is yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, it is. Uh, stay tuned all throughout the season for the uh, On the Rocks podcast at the Denver Post. I'm Nick Groke, Patrick Saunders. Enjoy the season and uh, have fun with the first week of baseball.